This podcast is brought to you by Pragmatic Solutions, the leading iGaming PAM platform with a modular approach, including many benefits like a fast, secure, and scalable API-based platform integrated with all major third-party products and services. Make sure you head over to Pragmatic Solutions and join our smart thinking. And Dylan Slaney, great to have you here on the podcast today, Dylan. You're one of the originals, one of the OGs to AgumenX. You were one of the first presenters in AgumenX 2019, inspiring the people from the stage. And here we are four years later. Great to have you here. Yeah, likewise. Great to see you, man. I suppose we have to thank Nick Robinson for getting us together for dinner, yeah, to uh, yes. get this on the, on the board. So, no, good to see you as always, buddy. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Shout out to, to Nick Robinson and the, and the great uh, dinner there at, uh, at ISA a couple of weeks ago. Um, listen, Dylan, I'm really curious to kind of do a little bit of a deep dive into Light and Wonder uh, today. And obviously, you released the quarterly report here yesterday, which was a, a brilliant quarterly report. Just, uh, it's solid all around. Uh, your numbers are consistently growing. The business is solid. You have some very ambitious targets uh, going into 2024 and 2025. Uh, obviously, you are the CEO of the iGaming department of Light and Wonder. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the quarterly report from perhaps from a global perspective, but more specifically on from an iGaming perspective? Yeah, absolutely. It's always it's always strange to be nearly at the end of Q1, FY23, still looking back and reminiscing about FY22, right? But um, yeah, it was great <laughs> to get the results out um, yesterday. Uh, I think for us as a light and wonder entity, but you know, um, also from an iGaming point of view. Uh, a very strong and solid uh, 2022. Uh, I think in any market where you can post, you know, double-digit growth year over year, then you know things things have to be you know things have to be going well. And to come out of you know last year, if you strip out the you know impact of the foreign exchange, then you know to be growing the business at 13 percent is you know is a, is a fantastic performance. And what really set the year up for us was the um, was the final quarter. Um, it was a you know, really really solid um, end to the year. Uh, with growth across you know all our all our key markets um and again when we take out fx you know to be grown at 22 percent, i think is a testament to the you know core strength of the business uh and one me and the team you know that that, you know absolutely super super proud of forget some details around the geographic splits i mean everyone obviously always focuses on the us at the moment yeah Uh, so we delivered you know um some solid year over year growth there i think it was our ninth consecutive you know quarter of growth which is you know fantastic to see uh, Q4 was up something like 41% um, year over year, uh, driven by some you know really strong launches of our you know land-based content, but also then the proliferation, acceleration, and scaling of the OGS platform. So we did a record number of integrations in the US during Q4, uh, and put a record number of partners live into the into the key markets um, as well. Uh, Canada, um, uh, one where you know some of our key operators sit today in those uh, in those provinces was another very strong year for us and a very strong um, Q4. But we also saw continued momentum and, and growth in our heartland markets of UK and Europe. So, you know, overall, a, you know, a fantastic performance and one that the, the, team are, the team are super proud of. And I think as well, you know, that, that growth was also underpinned by some of the acquisitions that we did um, you know, during last year as well. So seeing the likes of Elk and Lightning Box, you know, have, have record years I mean, it's interesting to see the growth of, you know, someone like Lightning Box in the US now, where over 70% of their GGR is generated from, you know, US and Canada. Um, Elk, you know, continue to put out, you know, amazing content that really resonates with players um, in UK and Europe. And we're looking forward to seeing those guys live in the US um, 
later later this year. But I think as well, you know, irrespective of all the numbers, um, for us, I think what was really pleasing is that it was against the backdrop of you know tremendous change. So we became light and wonder during 2022. We divested of our sports and lottery businesses, uh, which has fundamentally reshaped you know who we are as a business. And it's this change in new strategy that is really the foundation of those results. Um, so yeah, a good year, but we we're now into FY23. We <laughs> go again, and you know we never settle. Absolutely, that's that's the way it should be. Uh, and I want to d- uh, dig in a little bit more, Dylan, in one of the acquisitions that you made fairly recently, which is uh, uh, Authentic Gaming. Uh, so obviously, Authentic Gaming is a live casino provider that you acquired, I think, like a year and a half ago, something like that. And um, obviously. Uh, in the United States, uh, I, I took note in the quarterly report that you are just about to uh, to go live in the first state with authentic uh, gaming. Currently, today there is obviously a monopoly on uh, on live casino, more or less by uh, by evolution, and. It seems to me, at least from an outside perspective, uh, that uh, evolution to some extent has already killed off the market by uh, setting uh, exclusive agreements with some of the major operators over there. And as we know, the um, North American market is very much um, a, a market of the big players. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit more, you know, in the in the earnings call, it was commented that... Um, you know, Light and Wonder is ready to put up a fight. It's like it's ready to compete on on the same terms here. But realistically, like, what are the expectations with authentic gaming in in the North American market specifically? Yeah, great question. And yeah, we're, look, we're super excited about the acquisition that we did um, to bring authentic gaming into the Light and Wonder family. Um, I was in Michigan last week, so not that live casino uh, isn't important every day, uh, but definitely was important last week because I was um, in Michigan to. I guess cut the ribbon, if that's the, All right. if that's the right, <laughs> right, right phrase. Um, on our, on our cord, studio. Yes. Exactly, I cut the cord. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was yeah, great, great to see what the team um, have, have built out there. Um, we are going through the regulatory process. We've had our first um, sign-off by the uh, Michigan Gaming Board. Um, we also hosted um, uh, two of our uh, key Tier 1 launch partners um, out in Michigan last week as well. Um, so look, whilst they're might be some interesting deals that um, the competitor uh, that you mentioned has, has done in the US. There's certainly a huge amount of growth opportunity, and it's one that we're excited about, not just for this year, but for the next like three to four or five years as well as the US market you know, continues to mature. So we're getting ready for go live. Uh, we'll be announcing you know three tier one launch partners um, in the you know in the, in the, in, the, in the coming weeks. Um, I'd love to be able to give you that exclusive now. Right. Um, <laughs> fortunately, you know, b- bound a little bit by sort of you know some legals and some contracts and things like that. But um, yeah, we're we're excited about where we where we've got to. Um, the authentic business has got some uh, amazing core foundations that we've been able to build on um, over the last year. Um, and I think when we get through our phase one of of getting live in the U.S. market with the you know core products of roulette, blackjack, and, and baccarat. Um, I think you'll see some, you know, really interesting product developments coming out in the next, like, 6, 12, 18 months as we, we bring what L&W has, which is an amazing amount of IP, uh, amazing amount of knowledge um, in the table games um, space with brands and IP like Shufflemaster. Uh, we've got some, you know, really exciting roadmaps coming out that we're now starting to, you know, share with um, our, you know, our, our customers and partners in the US. So, yeah, we're, we're super excited about what's coming. It's been a long journey. Uh, yeah. Live casino business definitely isn't easy. It's definitely very, very <laughs> different to uh, to building slots. 
Um, but we're, yeah, we're really excited about um, getting live in the US and yeah, watch for more announcements coming in the, in, in the coming weeks. Absolutely. And it seems to me that the scale is key, uh, right, when it comes to live casino. And m m potentially one of the problems in the North American market is that each state is ring fenced, right? So you need essentially to build a studio in each state, essentially, and then obviously sign up uh, enough operators to, uh, to make those ventures possible. Uh, is it a long-term play or do you expect to be profitable um, fairly within, within like a fairly short time frame? Yeah, no. Look, I mean, look. I think live casino for everybody is a you know is a is a is a long term play, and you know, Evolution have got you know a, a number of years, uh, you know, behind them where they've you know built you know great business and some great products. Let's not let's not take it away from them. And, you know, we we of help course. them distribute those games and yeah, you know, and that content for for many operators around the around the world as well. But what what we're excited about is the is the is the long term impact that live casino has on has on the player experience. Right, we know it's something that players um, love today. And we know that, you know, with our experience, with our IP, now, and now with the acquisition of, you know, authentic gaming, that we can bring all those things together. And I think, you know, provide players with some very unique um, and rewarding experiences because we know that's what players want. And that's the, that's the exciting piece. Absolutely. And just uh, kind of to, uh, to go back again on the geographical distribution of, of revenue within uh, the iGaming side of Light and Wonder, uh, would you say today that the North American market is your, your key, most important uh, market? Obviously, you operate globally as well. Uh, are there other markets that are key? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, look, there's obviously there's a lot of attention that's, that's put on the US because of the you know, growth that's there today, but also the growth that's going to come um, in the, right. in the future years. Uh, but today, our you know, our our UK market is still our still our biggest market. Um, whilst the US is growing uh, at the at the biggest at the biggest rate, uh, we still see you know massive opportunities in our core heartland markets of UK and Europe. And as I said earlier, you know Canada is an amazing opportunity for us as well, where we've got you know relationships with every single one of the key operators um, in um, in those key provinces. We've seen Ontario open up um, during 22 as well, uh, which has been really, really interesting to see the development um, of that market. Um, so, yes, the U.S. is a focus for us, but we think that there's a you know, huge amount of growth opportunity and, and share gain opportunity in all our, in all our key regulator, regulator markets where we play. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And, and so the reason I'm asking is so to, to zoom in a little bit more on the U.S. market. Um, today, six states are live with, with iGaming, perhaps a little bit disappointing if we go back a couple of years and the expectations that there were on the US market to open for both online sports betting and for iGaming. Uh, but here we are, you know, a couple of years later and six states are live and uh, there seems to be some bills that are being introduced uh, on a legislative level that are quickly being uh, dismissed. Um, but from your perspective, Dylan, obviously you guys are keeping a very close eye on, on the developments over there. What's, what is your expectations on the US markets and further states potentially legalizing for iGaming today? Yeah, I think look, I think it's definitely fair to say that I am. I think I'm personally disappointed with the with the rollout of um, USI gaming over the last few years. I can remember uh, probably around the sort of like the 2019 period where you know when PASBA was repealed and 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 the the noise around sports betting um, in the in the US you know um, really really grew to the you know to such you know high expectations and high levels that. There was talk then about, you know, is it going to be sports first? Is it going to be our gaming first? It was our gaming one day. It was sports the next. And we know what's played out over the last three or four years, right? It's definitely been a, a focus on a focus on sports with with really only sort of like Pennsylvania and Michigan um, as the two sort of like major states, you know, opening up during that during that period, you know, combined then with obviously, you know, West Virginia and, um, and, and Connecticut opening up as well. So there's there's a huge amount of opportunity. And I think, 
you know, the, the American Gaming Association every year, well, every, every month, put out some amazing stats, right? And what fuels me with the hope from a like, gaming point of view is that we know that there's a tremendous amount of GGR that's, that's driven from um, from our gaming. We know it can be profitable, both on the operator side, both for states to put money into good causes, um, and also on the supply side um, as well. And when you know we see some of the numbers that are happening around sports and the you know the, the different kind of like margins that are made on sports compared to iGaming as well, I think it's only you know it's only a matter of time before before states um, you know more states come online. There's been some interesting bills that have kind of like gone into you know discussion points and, and pulled out um, in down a few weeks ago. Uh, New York is still, you know, is still it's still live and you know maybe you know maybe next year, mate, you, you can be you know uh, doing iGaming next in in New York with the with the launch of New York iGaming. Right? Wouldn't that wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> that would that would be amazing. And we have the uh, the state senator there, Joseph Piadabu, who is. Uh, working hard we're working day and night to uh, to make this happen in the state of new york um albeit, we should have t-shirts i think made with this sort of like yes, his face on joseph, it come on with support <laughs> joseph yeah that's it yeah it's gonna be interesting right it's um it, it, it has been without a shadow of a doubt it's been slower than i think you know um every, everybody expected but there's i think there's 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 enough there there's a, there's enough momentum um and i think when when the industry you know Stops thinking about sports. Starts yeah. really turning its head towards what iGaming can deliver. I, th- I think we'll. I think we'll be in a, a different place in a few years' time. But Absolutely. if anyone's got a crystal ball that can tell me, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. take a wager on that. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, if if you look at kind of legislative, you know, movements today, uh, do, do you see any states that show promise at the moment? Yeah, I mean, like we're saying, I mean, a few weeks ago, I mean, Indiana looked, you know, quite promising, but then that got kind of like shut down. Um, New York is, you know, there's, there's still there's still a chance uh, that they go through the period this year. There's been talks yeah. in a number of other different um, different states as well. So, what what pleases me at the moment is, you know, um, is that there are conversations happening. Right, we we can't control that legislative process. No. We can try we can try and influence it uh, as much as as much as possible. But we all know, right, that it that it takes these these things take time. But the the conversations are there. I think the the impetus is also there. As I think the sports numbers are starting to show that it's you know, very, very hard to, to make money in sports in the US at the moment with the amount of marketing dollars that are being spent. Uh, I don't know whether you saw yesterday the, you know, the Ohio numbers coming out where, you know, $320 million of marketing spend was, has been spent from launch and t- until until now, which is like something like 156, 157% of GGR. So wow. we know that's not sustainable, right? <laughs> no. You know, and um, that's, a, you know, it's an interesting one to watch because I think as, you know, sports proliferation goes you know i think iGaming is going to have to have to have to follow you know very very quickly it's just not happened at the pace and the rate that we all expected right right and and on that note as well um Ailish and Kirkus, they released uh, some of their numbers in december uh talking about uh, kind of the the uh, the kind of duopoly that is being created in the North American market today uh, between FanDuel and DraftKings to uh, together own 75% of total GDR and the online sports betting side in North America. That's incredible. I mean, FanDuel alone uh, is bigger than all other operators combined in the North American markets on the online sports betting side specifically. So um, more and more, the market is seemingly turning out to be a market for the big players. And, you know, kind of 
bouncing that question over to you, I'm not sure exactly of the numbers and the, the share of GDR uh, on the on the online gambling side. I would imagine that it's uh, that is not as dominated by these two players, but uh, yeah. perhaps you can fill us in uh, a little bit more. On, on, on those numbers. How, how does it look like on the argument side specifically? Today? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, the E&K numbers on sports in terms of, yeah, were, I think, quite telling us to where the, you know, the market's going. And then Ohio numbers that came out yesterday, you know, yeah. take that up, I think, another 3 or 4% in terms of, you know, the, the share that FanDuel and, uh, and yeah. Kings have got. And, you know, both businesses have done, you know, fantastic to, you know, to acquire, to, to acquire customers. Obviously, they, they spent a lot of marketing dollars um, as well, yeah. uh, you know, as well to do that, as we can see through the Ohio numbers and we can see through, I think the flutter numbers came out um, either yesterday or earlier today as yeah. well. And uh, again, still still a loss-making business in the you know in the, in the US. But I think doing all the right things to obviously get them to to yeah. be sort of like profitable in the in the course of the next twelve to eighteen months. And I think you know from an our gaming point of view, the market plays out you know uh, a little bit differently. Obviously, you know FanDuel and DraftKings have still got you know a um, high share in the in, in the US. BetMGM is still the biggest from a from a slots or from an online slots point of view um, at, at the moment. And then with some, you know, kind of, you know, really strong players, Golden Nugget from a New Jersey, from a New Jersey point of view. Um, but I think as well, just some, you know, interesting dynamics with, you know, I think some underrepresented brands that are out there in the in the US market as well. So someone like Caesars, uh, and I'm sure yeah. Matt Sunderland, if he listens to this, wouldn't mind me saying he's just gone to, to, to lead Caesars <laughs> that you know, he's he sat on, you know, Caesars Rewards, one of the best loyalty programs I think in the, you know, in the, in the casino business. Uh, that I'm sure is somewhere on his to-do list as number one or two priority to really, you know, understand how to get hold of that and really propel, you know, um, Caesar's growth. You've got brands like, you know, I think Hard Rock, when you look at the, you know, again, the amount of resonance that they have with um, US land-based players that are definitely, you know, um, underrepresented, I think, from a, from a share point of view at the moment. And I know Rafi and the team there have got, you know, amazing plans about what they, you know, what they want to do um, as well. So, yeah, it's a, I think it's a little bit, a, a little bit different. Um but I think what we're starting, what we're starting to see is, you know, the the market is starting to kind of, you know, mature in those, especially in those sort of like key, you know, key three states. But still, you know, tremendous amount of um, of growth, irrespective of whether you know new states come online or not. The PGCB, yep. the regulator for Pennsylvania, um, um, sent out, you know, requests for a bunch of new licenses. There's still new skins available in Michigan. A few still available um, in in New Jersey. Uh, new providers, uh, new content coming into the marketplace. So no, you know we expect it to be a, you know a definitely a, a high growth area, um, irrespective of whether um, you know new states come online or not in the you know in the next few years. Yeah, right. Uh, so. Still, if the markets are moving towards uh, a kind of a, a dominance between the uh, the major players, um, is, that must be a bit of a scary position to be in as a supplier, where you are kind of um, you stand and fall on the decisions of just a few clients, essentially that uh, that can alter the course of of, of your company. Uh, is that something that worries you guys as you move forward into into twenty three and twenty four? No, no, I mean not, not not at all. I mean, I think that we've got. We've got great relationships uh, and great engagement with you know all providers um, and all customers and all operators within the iGaming space and land-based space from a you know from from a US point of view. Um, I think what we're you know what we're what we what we will see um, is that you know the operators that really focus on the player experience that really focus on giving you know um, the player um, you know a, a frictionless seamless kind of like journey um, through the digital world. You know they they will. They will ultimately play out and win. But also, we've got to remember in the US is that you know the, the land-based casinos are you know are still are still huge. Even in places like Michigan, you know Firekeepers, which is a great kind of you know a, a great operator, 
uh, a great partner of ours in, in places like Michigan, you know, is still able to c- command, you know, four, five, six percent of the, you know, of the market. Uh, Bet three six five um, recently launched in the, you know, in the US from a, you know, from a sports point of view um, as well. I mean, they've got some great smarts and yeah. some great operating knowledge um, that you know they're going to bring over from their core UK European markets um, into the into the US as well. You've got the Bally's brand. Uh, which is going through its sort of like you know transformation as well. So no, a huge amount of you know opportunity. New brands like Fanatics wanting to come into the into the market as well. You know, you look at the database that you know that they've got of uh, yeah. of customers um, in the in the US and the relationships that they've got with you know a bunch of sports brands. And you know, I think it's exciting times to see what you know what will ultimately shake out in the next like three to four years as the market matures as as more um, as more states open up. As the operator landscape continues to evolve and change, and as players' habits, you know, continue to evolve and change as well, I think it's an exciting time in the U.S. Without shall ever done. But it, like, if if you would look into the crystal ball and try to make some predictions uh, here, Dylan, um, these things always come back to bite us. By the way, but still, <laughs> if we look if we look five years ahead in the North American markets, uh, what would be your predictions? What would the market look like in five years' time? I think first, I mean, I think I gave me next to give you guys a plug. I think it's going to be, you know. It's going to be a, the east coast of New York is going to be the biggest event. So you're going to move over to the west coast and do an event over there as well. So I'll give you a plug for next week on that one, mate. But apart from, apart from that prediction, apart, apart from that prediction, I, I just think it's all it's all about it's all about maturity. Um, and I think it's a, sometimes it's an it's an overused word. It's got a lot of kind of like you know bad connotations with it. But if we just take players, you know, players in the U.S. land-based casinos have been used to playing certain type certain types of games, which is very very different to what you know, let's say European players um, have been playing both from non, both from a digital um, and land-based point of view um, as well. So we're going to see sort of like the maturity of, of player habits to, you know, play games like Megaways. You know, Megaways doesn't exist um, today on the, you know, on the land-based floor, but it's played by millions and millions of players from a, from a UK uh, and European point of view. When those games have gone into the, into the US in places like New Jersey, you know, we've seen them, we've seen them resonate. We've seen digital native content um from the likes of you know uh, big time gaming light and wonder from the likes of real play you know still have resonance in the you know in the u.s market when it doesn't exist in the you know in the land-based ecosystem and then you've got people like you know like us like, like light and wonder that are putting some you know amazing land-based content into the digital ecosystem um as well and we're seeing that even with you know some of our content that's that's coming out that even if it's you know that land-based kind of content, that land-based genre, and we're launching it before it even goes into land-based casinos, players you know players have resonance with it. Um, one of the games on the Ian K charts from uh, from a few weeks ago was a game that literally we we put out into the market um, slightly ahead of where or slightly ahead of when it went in um, to land-based casinos, and we saw players you know resonate with it. Eight Eight Fortunes is still one of the most played games in the in the US market that's been around for the last like you know five or five or six years. So. You know, players players are going to mature their 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 their, their taste and their appetite for content, um, and that's the most I think that's the most exciting thing for me. As well as then, you know, the market will definitely mature. We'll be in more states. Um, I, I wouldn't predict New York, but I'll predict New York. Right? We're going to be yes, we're going to be we go. we're going to be in New York, um, yes, yes, Ohio, yes. Indiana, all these kind of like great states that I think will then you know set set our gaming up as or set our gaming up in the US as you know by far the you know the biggest sort of like global marketplace for for digital players. Yeah, absolutely. And and on that note, you speak about uh, you know kind of taking the land-based content over to to digital. Um, I must profess here that like the wonder is. Um 
is uh, is is behind my favorite game of all time, actually, uh, which is uh, Goldfish uh, slot. It's become ah, yeah. so just, popular. Just online as well. <laughs> oh, it has. Oh my God. Then uh, okay, I'll be your first customer. Uh, it, 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 this has been such a big thing in my circle over the last ten years that whenever we go to Vegas or whenever we go to any casino for that matter, the hunt for Goldfish uh, is always the first, absolute first thing that we uh, that we do, and yeah, it's yeah. been like that for ten years. Okay, so it's a great I'm, I'm loyal. Incredible, incredible game. Uh, I, I love that. Um, so, so on that note, uh, Dylan, I mean, we, you know, we talk about kind of land-based and online. Uh, like, w- what's your expectations going forward when you uh, just compare the two industries together? Obviously, online is consistently eating market share from land-based. If we look at like the issue gambling capital numbers, is constantly, um, constantly gaining market share for for online. Um, is that going to continue as well in the next couple of years? Is online eventually going to t- take over completely? Is there more synergies between online and land-based to be explored? Uh, what's your thoughts there, land-based versus online in general? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about, you know, our gaming versus, you know, versus land-based. For, but, for, but for me, it's about, you know, um, the proliferation of digital experiences, right? It's, it's already happening. And Many other verticals are, you know, way further advanced than than what's like yeah. you know, the the traditional stuff like gaming vertical um, is. Yeah. Um, and what we see through the data is that you know when when states or countries or markets have land based and our gaming, they coexist, you know, side by side. Um, both of these channels um, are, you know, really help to bring the player experience uh, to life and make it, you know, make it richer. Um, there's more GGR that's generated when you have iGaming, you have land-based gaming, which is which is great for the you know great for the business. It's great from a from a from a tax dollars point of view um, as well to you know fund good causes in states. Um, and we also know from you know various studies that have been done from a player perspective that players who play across you know multiple channels um, are definitely more valuable to operators. So you know, and this is that it's it's true in virtually every you know every market where sort of like land-based and and, and digital are live. And whilst we talk a lot about, you know, is it iGaming, is it, is it land-based? But the narrative for me, it's about that digital changes the player experience, right? iGaming is just a channel. It's just where people decide to, you know, decide to play their uh, content. But the digital world uh, and the digital ecosystem opens up, you know, I think a whole host of um, opportunities to fundamentally change how players, you know, interact with content and ultimately how we interact with, you know, with players. There's a lot more that you can do uh, to interact with a player on a digital device than you than you can do from a you know from a from a from a land based from a land based point of view, and whether that's in payments, whether that's in kind of like loyalty schemes, whether that's in shared jackpots, whether that's you know building liquidity in games that you you know that that players can then play in land based and, and, and move over to a digital um, environment or, or or vice versa, you know digital not our gaming it's digital that represents I think um, a way in which we can do more to excite players. And make their journey, you know, as frictionless and seamless as possible um, across the across the two channels. That's the exciting piece. We know why gaming's coming. Um, we've seen we've seen that sort of like proliferation through UK, through kind of like European markets as well. It's only a matter of time when it when it does come yeah. to the US. But we also know that it's you know it's accretive in the overall kind of you know in the overall pie. And more importantly, it will be players that are ultimately going to choose, you know, when and where and how how to play. And digital for me is the binding agent that will, you know, that will make that, you know, um, experience as um, as deep and as rich as possible. 
Right, right. I, I mean, the, you mentioned here, you know, we, we, we've seen in the past how um, in the UK, Sweden, other markets uh, that are more kind of like digitally native, say that uh, the, the players over time move over more and more to, to a digital space. Um, and, and, you know, based on based on that fact alone, we can expect that the same will happen in the US. Um, you know, I, I want to ask you as well, like in, in general, we've seen the industry developing and maturing on the European side over the last uh, 25 years or so. Um, and, and from that journey, you know, we've taken a lot of, the industry has taken a lot of lessons on the European side. Uh, responsible gaming, going through headwinds there, kind of getting to terms with regulation and so on and so forth. Um, just just looking at the North American market, which is much younger, which are potentially soon going to face the same challenges. Do, do you see uh, do, do you see kind of a, a similar road ahead for the your, for the North American market? Do, do you think they eventually will face kind of like repetitive challenges and and, and uh, repetitive patterns that we've seen in the European market? Yeah, look, I mean, I think the the industry, as you say, ha- has learned a lot from you know, the, 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 the growth cycle that's happened in, in, in UK and Europe and, you know, some of the things that, you know, maybe looking back, it, it should have got to itself earlier before before governments um, come in and, you know, and, and, and make changes. Um, and I think that's the that's the big lesson that when I look at, you know, even my time in the sort of like in the, you know, in the, in the gaming space, they've lasted like four or five years that we, we have to we have to learn lessons and, and get ahead of some of the things that are coming and no one can argue with some of the practices that kind of I guess used to go on within the industry that you know the way that now the industry is thinking about it and, and looking at some of these things it's a it's a better place for everyone to be it's a better place for players to be um, you know regulation does help uh, to I think to to control some of the things that you know that, that go on um, I think you know it's it's an important part of you know why why we only sort of like play in, in regulated markets as well and I think that's going to be true from a US point of view. I think you know some of the regulations that are already in place, state by state, take some of those learnings from a from a UK and European point of view um, at source. Um, there's still, I think, a big movement in responsible gaming that you know that will happen in the in the US. Uh, I saw a recent article from BetMGM talking about you know that, that again they're getting trying to get ahead of it from an advertising point of view by really sort of like you know talking about you know responsible yeah. gaming um, you know now um, because there's you know the, there's there's no doubt that um, when we leave governments or we leave kind of like regulators to you know to, to to make the rules that we need to be you know engaging you know before those rules you know come into you know come into effect so um so yeah i my, my hope is that we we learn as an industry right and we and we get we get ahead of some of the things that have that you know that have that have, that have come around um to to really make sure that you know we protect the you know integrity of players we, we take the responsible gaming um, element i think we all want players to to experience you know um casino gambling and casino gaming um in the, in the right way and i think it's super important that we you know that we hold we hold true to that hold true to that narrative um, and do things that are ultimately you know responsible and right for players Absolutely. Like uh, my uh, goldfish uh, habits, for example, every time I go like to a casino, <laughs> it's uh, perfectly reasonable. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I, I must uh, just uh, go back to ask you as well. Um, Ailes and Crickets, we mentioned them a couple of times here, ENK. Um, they released their uh, US-focused online game, game performance report monthly, where they track uh, how games are performing, which uh, game producers are doing well, and so on. And uh, I took note here of the fact that we reported on this the other week that um, 
the headline is essentially that Light and Wonder leapfrogs evolutions as slots market share leader, uh, which is a quite uh, cool achievement uh, to do for, uh, I would imagine. How good did that feel when that report came out? Yeah, look, it's it, it's it's always it's always good. We have we have our own kind of you know uh, data that also you know you know tells us you know, tells us where we go and how we perform. But all well, these benchmarks are always are always good. Um, yeah, well, what's the I, secret? I like to sort of like, yeah, what's the secret? Like, uh, how did you? So obviously, you increased the market share according to NK in the in in the in the month of December. Took took a quite a big leap forward if you trust these numbers. Uh, yeah, what's, I mean, look, the, what's the reason behind that? Yeah, look, I mean, the, re- the reason behind it is the execution of the strategy that we you know, we laid out about 12 months ago. So one of the investments that we that we did um, in L&W um, from the change in the, you know, the makeup of our balance sheet uh, with the Divestia Sports and Lottery was to set up a dedicated studio in Las Vegas that was, you know, aligned to our gaming studio that is purely there just to bring out, you know, uh, more uh, land-based content. So that really started to hit in during um, during Q4. Uh, we're also seeing it in the in the numbers during sort of like January and February as well. So that studio now is delivering two what we call two land based epics um, every single month into the three kind of uh, major states, uh, and then we supplement that with you know one lightning box um, content um, a month as well. So that kind of like core strategy based around the land based epics, based around um, lightning box content, which we know resonates with players. Is essentially the foundations that you're kind of like now seeing that are sort of like driving some of the um, share gains that we're seeing and the and the reports that you know Ian K are putting out. So um, so yeah, it's um, it's it's a great achievement. It's great, great to see, um, but you know um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Just keep pushing. That's it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But it, but it must be uh, it must be challenging. I mean, uh, I, I'm reading here as well that um, you know there's something like fifty thousand games out there today. Uh, many of which have been launched in the last year. There's like hundreds of game studios that have been born in the last year that are all just pumping out games. It seems like the uh, market is just absolutely saturated. There aren't that many game producers that are publicly traded like yourself, but um, those who are, like uh, for example, uh, Kinder who owns Relax Gaming Evolution obviously with their with their RNG segment uh, they aren't exactly they aren't exactly publishing growth uh, and and then, then we look at uh, at uh, Light and Wonder uh, on the argument side and you obviously are, are publishing double digit growth here which is very impressive uh, but th- this must be a massive challenge in such a saturated market to to break through and to continue growth uh, when there are just like thousands of games being produced every month from hundreds of game producers yeah look i mean it, i think every year we talk about the the proliferation of of, of game and, and and game content um and it's yeah, it, it's it's crazy to see the amount of content that's you know that, that's out in uk uk europe and you know now starting to proliferate into the um into the us as well and i think you know we we, we have this you know kind of strategy where we you know try and focus on you know on on player behavior and we capture a tremendous amount of data. We had something like five million players play on the open gaming platform or three-day open gaming platform during, you know, during December. It creates it creates billions and billions of, you know, of of of, of, data, of data points that, when you can sort of like, you know, read and understand the the signals in that, you know, in that data, then it, it gives you a, you know, a, a degree of confidence to, you know, to to place some bets on innovation or to play place some bets on. Um, a type of math model um, or a type of um, game experience where you still don't know whether it's going to work, right? I mean, you know, players, 
Anyway, anyone that says that they can, they, they know what players are, are going to play. I mean, geez, man, let's, let's invest in them, right? Let's set up a company. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's go. Um, some people get it. Some people get it. You know, get it more right than others. And um, you know, we I think we have you know we, we have that data set which is which is core to you know to, to what we do, uh, and we also have that that amazing sort of like land based business um, um, in the US, which is also coupled to a you know a social business where again we see a lot of information, right? Which we're now starting to learn, you know, um, really about what data that we have, not just in our gaming, but within, uh, you know, Latin one as a whole, and really bring all that kind of like learning to bear on, you know, on what content um, we produced. I mean, at ICE, we, um, you know, we we announced the launch of, you know, Wonder 500 in the in, in the UK, which, you know, is completely different to content that's out there at the moment. We set the maximum state level. Uh, we, you know, we only allow players, you know, to win at sort of like 500, uh, 500 x their bet. Um, so, you know, nothing, nothing is out there like that at the moment. And the game, the way that the game kind of like works is it gives players, you know, more chances to win on a more frequent basis. But obviously, because you're betting at, a, you know, a, a, a lower level, it's going to appeal to more of a sort of like, a, you know, um, a, a casual player. So the high volatile players are definitely not going to go and play this game. But working with our data, working with Sky, you know, we we saw that there was. You know, definitely room in the marketplace uh, for games that are tailor-made for types of player behaviour that we that we see, and that's what we're you know that's what we're focusing um, on. Um, and you know, and, and and time will tell whether that's the you know whether that's the right strategy. For sure. Uh, another thing I took note over here in the earnings call is the fact that you have um, the business as a as a whole has very ambitious growth targets, right? You are targeting like uh, one point four million. Uh, dollar EBITDA. Um, is it twenty twenty four? Did I get that right? 1.4 billion Obviously, that's. Uh, I think today you generate sh- just shy of one billion uh, in adjusted EBITDA. So it's uh, uh, the business is targeting fifty percent growth uh, for the year twenty twenty five compared to twenty twenty two essentially. Um, but these are very aggressive targets with the backdrop of the uh, of the economy being what it is and potentially taking a downturn. At the same time, we talk about you know the proliferation of games here and and um, uh, a lot of competitors entering the U.S. market and in general competing on uh, competing against yourself. Um, does this sometimes wake you up in the middle of the night? These uh, aggressive targets and and uh, frighten you. How do you feel about uh, uh, this big push on the company? I think the only person that wakes me up in the middle of the night is Nick Robinson when he, you know, when he's calling right. at like two or three o'clock. Or, <laughs> or Pete, or Pete Causley and Dave Little from Lightning Box. Uh, yeah, <laughs> people seem to outside of my kids waking me up as well. Um, I mean, look, we, um, we 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 set out. Um, we're, we're a year into the execution of this plan. So at our investor day um, uh, last year in New York, um, we we set out. You know, we set out this plan, and whilst as always, kind of you know, humps and bumps along the you know along the way, as where kind of like you know things don't necessarily materialise the way that you think they are, and other areas you know grow at faster rates. We're, we're we're super confident in the in the plans that have been um, the plans that have been laid down. So it's it it is ambitious, but that's why that that's why we're here. You know, we're we're, we're here to, we're here to win, uh, not just within um, i gaming, but within you know land based gaming. We've got ambitions to take you know more share um, in our in our key markets. They're backed up by. You know, a fantastic roadmap of, of content. Um, some of that yeah. sort of like new content is starting to hit the US uh, land-based casinos now, and it's you know, performing you know fantastically well. We've got a social yeah. business in Cyplay um, that, again, when you look at its competitive set um, out in the market, and you look at its results that um, it's published today versus some of its key competitors, um, again, I think it puts into perspective that we've got 
um, you know, three businesses or three business units in land-based gaming, in, in sci-fi, um, in iGaming, um, they're individually performing strongly, and when they and when they come together, um, you know, collectively, there's there's a lot more that we we can do together, and that's really what underpins, you know, this this ambition to be you know, the world's leading sort of like cross-platform um, global games company. It's the combination of those three business units and all that great IP, all that great, all that great talent, you know, coming together um, to really you know, to really win. And that's ultimately what we're here for. Yeah. I, you mentioned you, you kind of are three business units that make up Light and Wonder. The, the gaming division, which is the, the land-based side, obviously the traditional uh, side of the business, which uh, was born in the 60s or something like that. Uh, Sideplay, which is the, um, the the social casino. And then obviously... Um, iGaming, which is the uh, the part that you are spearheading, is uh, of those three business units, you're the you're the smallest one today in I'm terms of revenue. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is there is there like um, is there like a sense of competition between the three business units? Like, uh, do, do you think at some point you'll be the biggest ones? And how is that internally? Like when you try to uh, kind of get a voice in the room, let's say when you for today you're so you're talking from a you know not not the strongest point of view in in comparison to others, like but. Is there, is there like a competition element here between the three? Uh, there's always competition. It's got to be right. Like we're, we're all we're yeah. all we're all here to win. But no, like I said, it's, it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? We um we have to we have to collectively win. Um, if you, if you just take you know where you know sixty seven percent of our content comes from you know content that we that we take from land based and, and bring online in the you know in the US. If that content isn't you know isn't isn't amazing, then you know there's only so much that we can do from our gaming point of view. So there's. There's the there's the healthy there's the healthy banter that goes on between the you know between the three <laughs> business units. Uh, I was messaging Josh Wilson who uh, runs uh, Sideplay this morning just before he was getting on his earning calls. Um, you know, going yeah yeah looks all right, mate. You know, num- num- numbers look good. And, <laughs> you know, and um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 great that what what's what's changed and and especially with the with the two divestitures is this absolute kind of like resolute focus um, on. On this strategy to to win and to be the leading you know cross-platform global games company. I mean, it, it sounds you know it sounds like a, just a strap line, but it's something it's something a lot bigger than that. It prevails now all the way through the you know through the organisation. And if I look back 12, 18 months ago, with the collaboration that we had as our gaming with the land-based team or, or or with social, you know, it was kind of like virtually non-existent. But we were absolutely you know. Um, resolute on how we want to win as light and wonder and to do that we need to have you know three amazing business units um outperforming you know outperforming market growth and then collectively you know they, they need to come together to make those some of the parts you know um you know really really sing and dance and, and that's what we're that's what we're here for um and it's been amazing to see that sort of like that that transformation that like i said at the start really underpins not just the iGaming gaming growth but the growth that you know, Light and Wonder have been able to talk about um, for for 2022. Fair enough, fair enough, Dylan. Um, last question for you here today as well is: uh, If you now look five years into the future, the, the business itself, uh, where do you see the business being? And of course, the question is: uh, Will iGaming then be the biggest of these biggest uh, of this business uh, segments? Well, I hope I hope it is. It's gonna <laughs> um, it's gonna it's gonna rely on a lot of states. Um, coming coming online, mate. I think for I think for that to happen. But um, now, I mean, look what what I what I know is in um, five years' time is this business will be you know five times five times better than what it is today. Um, well, that's five times X from a revenue point of view. Well, let 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 time 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 will tell us that. But 
our our focus is you know is is every day every week every month every year just to you know continue to you know really understand you know the changes that we need to make to sometimes you know get ahead of the market and sometimes sometimes we're playing sometimes we're playing catch up um but that's sort of like focus on player behavior is something that you know uh, drives us and as players mature uh, as their as their taste for different types of content mature as we bring in um innovation uh we want to we want to be ahead we want to be you know leading we want to be winning um that's where i know we'll be in you know in, in five years time and the numbers and shares and stuff like that well they'll take care of themselves they'll be all right <laughs> amazing uh I, i actually have a final question for you as well um half a year ago we organized agimenex new york sorry agimenex valletta and uh, we had a panel there that was called predictions uh, and it was made up by some of the like bigger influences of the industry let's say one of which was uh, robin eric reed and i don't know if you uh, i don't know first of all if you were aware of the prediction he made do, yep. do you oh, know where yeah. which is yeah. about 24 hours afterwards <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so basically robin gave, gave this big prediction that he believes that uh, uh, that um, evolution should acquire uh, light and wonder and it just made like perfect strategic sense and so on and so forth the result of which was that the uh, the, the 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 share price of, of light and wonder jumped like eight percent or something that day and like <laughs> it added like 400 million dollars to the to the market cap which i, I assume that uh, Robin can send a small invoice for that uh, for, for that uptick in share price. Yeah, let's absolutely. say, but <laughs> but I just want to hear uh, your take on this prediction and uh, like did this cause any stir? Like did it stir the pot or anything like this uh, on on your guys' side? <laughs> I think I think I think me and Robin had a had a very interesting conversation about it. I think that's probably the most diplomatic way to put it. But, all right, all right, know, good, 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 good for good for Robin. Good for Robin in his predictions. That's all I can say. <laughs> I love that. that. That was brilliant. All right. Thank you so much, Dylan. Like I said, uh, you were one of the originals here at Agibin Next uh, who, who supported us from the very first uh, day, um, more or less. And uh, we really appreciate that, of course. And I really appreciate that uh, you took the time today uh, to, to share your insights. And again, thank you to yourself. Thanks to Nick Robinson for uh, making this happen. And uh, I hope to see you soon, Dylan. This has been fantastic. Yeah, likewise. And good luck, good luck for next week, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Take care.